Lingard is joining in, and he's seen Martinelli! Extraordinary! Set it for Saliba! For Kyle Saka, beaten out by the roof, and touched in by Jesus! Kyle Saka! Hello and welcome back to the Bruise Runner FC podcast where we're going to do our first match review of the season. Football comes back on Saturday, finally. Um, and we've got Nottingham Forest at home, which I think most people would say is is a kind fixture, but maybe not in, in the spectrum of when we last played them. Um, today with me, I have the wonderful Ben. How are you, Ben? Hello, hello. Um, yeah, Nottingham Forest. We, well, we smacked them 5-1 at the home game last season, it was it? Five nil. Just remember Reese coming on um, and getting two goals or a goal and an assist or something. Um, but yeah, the second one not so nice. But I still think you know we had lost the league by that point anyway. So I'm hoping that we don't have too much of a heebie-jeebies about it going to play Steve Cooper's side. And if we do, then um, well, we probably shouldn't be putting ourselves in the bracket of a title contender, should we? No, fair point to be fair. Um, and we're also joined by the splendiferous Drew. How are you, Drew? Being called Splendiferous makes my day all that much better, so thanks for having me on again. <laughs> you say having you on as if like <laughs> you're not just part of the podcast, Drew. Well, no, but I think I'm probably <laughs> the, the least available of everybody because I'm usually working when we record, and like you and Ben are five hours ahead, so you know it's just kind of like hit and miss for me, but I'm just being appreciative. Listen, whatever. I was trying to be kind, and, <laughs> and here you are. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> saying we appreciate you. It's fine. It's fine. I know, I know. But yeah, thanks for having me around. I'm glad to be chatting. Have you swallowed a thesaurus uh, today? <laughs> I'm not sure. Is Splendiferous actually a word? Well, I was going to ask, but then I I got made fun of for Ruben Neves, so you know. I'm not going to come back to that because it'd be too long-winded, but I came out on top of that. <laughs> so, looking to Saturday, obviously, football's back again. Coming off the win against Manchester City, who play Burnley on Friday, I'm pretty sure, kicking off the Premier League season. Um, and then midday kickoff Saturday, we're back in there with Nottingham Forest. As you alluded to, Ben, I'm pretty sure we spanked them 5-0 at home, which was great. And then I think, I might be wrong when I say this, that the, the 1-0 loss... Um, that they gave us in the second half season yeah. was that the result that actually got City? Yeah. Okay, I'm not going to say it, the full sentence then. It clinched City the title and uh, it kept Forest up. Okay, so question number one, and I'll, I'll come straight to you, Ben. Arsenal have had a bit of a reputation now that we're kind of building for revenge matches. Like you're looking at the the Ivan Tony tweet, the Aubameyang BT video. Is this game? something of of a vengeance territory where the players are going to be a little bit more focused than they normally would be um i hope so for someone like ramsdale's sake because he always seems to excel in those games but more generally i think if we're beefing with nottingham forest on the first day of the season um at midday on a saturday at the emirates stadium then it's probably not where we want to be um you know we've got we've got much bigger fish to fry this season hopefully with the Champions League and the FA Cup and hopefully challenging for the title. So I'd like to think that we go into this with a bit of calm and a bit of a bit more perspective maybe of the season, taking it one game at a time like we did last season, but knowing that we can start it you know, we can start as well as we want, but it's all about how we finish as well. 
um, and maybe pace ourselves a bit better with a bit of a deeper squad and just learn from last season a bit better, I think. Well, then the first thing I'd say is we can and should beef with everyone because it's funny. <laughs> and it reminds me of the Wolves game yeah. where we played them home and away in a very short amount of time and I remember Martinelli getting sent off and I remember shithousing a 1-0 win from the Gabriel goal and everyone kicking off and Richard Keyes was going a bit mad as well. So yeah, we should absolutely be dickheads to everyone because it's really funny and also because Arteta apparently can't do that as much this season so we need to pick up the slack for him. <laughs> You are just an engineer of chaos. Um, and that's, I mean, I'm all for it as long as it doesn't get involved in <laughs> Okay, so next, uh, next question of the game. So, Drew, before we come to the, the Matt Turner-shaped elephant in the room, I want to think about the midfield because during preseason, we've heard a lot about that. The box midfield with Havertz, Odegaard playing ahead of number six. We've heard a lot also about um, Party and Rice who played together. They did against the Charity Shield, and it was very, very good. In your opinion, who starts the midfield on the day, and and why would you say that would be? I mean, I think against uh, against Forest, you're probably going to sit deep. I think you need more technicians, more players that are ball dominant. So, I think in this instance, I think we might see uh, Havertz, but um, that's also predicated on maybe what happens. Uh, in the number nine role, if if Trussard is going to start there, if it's going to be Eddie, if it's going to be Havertz, who played quite well as a nine um, against City. So uh, if Havertz does start up front, then I think you'll still see um, Rice and Partey in midfield. Uh, and then maybe just give Rice a bit more license to, to roam more. But I do think overall, I kind of alluded to this before, that I think Arteta has the, the luxury now of mixing and matching who he can deploy in, in midfield, depending on who the opponent is, if we're home or away against the big six side but we have that flexibility now i think if everyone was fit and available and jesus was starting i think we would see havertz or the guard with uh, either rice or Partey behind them but um, i think just given some selection headaches i think we'll probably continue with the same team um that featured against it because uh, i do think we might not have the same um profile and rice that maybe you'd have with someone like havertz starting centrally but Overall, I think we played quite well that day, even you know, even with the selection issues. So I think we're not going to change anything. But I think moving forward, we'll see a bit more mixing and matching, just depending on you know, what, what, what we have going. Yeah, hard to change a winning team, I think, is, is usually the way it goes. But I, I think I, I agree a lot with what you're saying about the fact that they're going to sit deeper. It's going to be a very different game than on Forest. I personally wouldn't be surprised if, if Abbott starts over one of Rice and Partey just to give us the extra body, similar to what you were saying and what you said on the last pod as well. Um, but it'll be really interesting because, as you say, like when something works, you tend to keep it in play, especially when you've just beaten the champions of football overall. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> They've won it all. And I imagine they're going into the Cup World Cup as well. So, you know, uh, they've got the chance to make it the four, but they're not going to have the Crumpet Shield because that's ours. So they can take that. We'll take it to the bank. <laughs> I'm really, cl- I'm really glad you called the Crumpet Shield live on a podcast. I'm really happy about that. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how people react to that. Um, <laughs> so I alluded earlier to the Matt Turner-shaped elephant in the room, and that is that, worst-kept secret at the moment, we're going to be signing David Raya by the looks of things. Turner's going the opposite direction. Possibly he could start 
I'm not sure what their goalkeeper situation is at this point in time. I think they were linked to also being negotiations for Dean Henderson. I don't think that has been fruitful at this point in time. Obviously, they haven't got Navas anymore. Um, I always think that in games like this, where a goalkeeper is making his debut against the team he's just come from, the line between Prime Khan and Almunia is very, very thin. So coming back to you, Ben, does the idea of Matt Turner playing in goal and possibly having a nine out of ten game scare you at all? Um, yeah, he's a pretty good shot stopper, but also if we can't beat Nottingham Forest, even with a nine out of ten Matt Turner, um, we've got bigger problems. Like, don't get me wrong, Forest are good, but they're not in that bracket of teams in the Premier League that are, you know, they're it's it's ever increasing. There's probably about ten teams you look at in the Premier League and go, Well, that's a tricky fixture. Um nowadays with Brighton, Villa, Newcastle on top of the big six, you know. Um I've probably forgotten what maybe Brentford or something. But you know, at the end of the day, it's Nottingham Forest at home. It's hard to get too like emotionally invested, I think, because the expectation the overwhelming expectation is that we win quite comfortably. And well um expectations don't always fo- you know um follow into reality it does feel like it's a sort of game where we should be putting a marker down and even if matt turner makes 25 saves as long as we score one or score two then it shouldn't be a problem yeah and to be fair the one thing i'll say for matt turner is i don't think there's ever been a point where arsenal have signed a player that i didn't care about and they played seven games for the club and then left the club the next summer and i thought oh okay fair dues he's a nice bloke <laughs> Like I actually, he's just got that dog in him. A, dog. Yeah, it's a dark side out there. Sorry, Drew. Exactly. <laughs> I think the next thing I want to talk about is is Trossard because we spoke a lot about Trossard on the last pod. He's done really well preseason, in my opinion, best player in preseason. He comes on against Manchester City, and obviously there's a bit of luck involved, but he essentially kind of keeps us in it and gives us the opportunity to win against Manchester City with his goal. You can play in a lot of different positions. It's not that I'm saying to you, and I'm pointing this towards you, Drew. I'm not saying he should start, but I'm saying, do you like really like? If anyone deserves to start a game, <laughs> it feels like Trossard deserves to start a game unexpectedly. Can you see any kind of realm of possibility where he kind of squeezes himself into the team based off of his performance in the Community Shield? Oh yeah, for the weekend I can, and, and this kind of goes back to what I said before. I think it will come down to where. Kai Havertz is slotted in. Presumably, Havertz is going to start because he did start in, uh, against City in the Community Shield. So, well, as we discussed, discussed before, we're really expecting Forrest to sit deep, you know, make things difficult for us, should I really defend in layers, um, and kind of maybe even narrow the pitch to force us out wide and then kind of strip away some of that uh, space and creativity that you see Saka and Odegaard kind of shine in. I do think this is kind of one of those scenarios where you could maybe see Trussard start instead and then have Havertz in the midfield with Odegaard. So, it wouldn't surprise me if we did that, because as as well as uh, Rice and Partey perform together, you don't really need both of them against Forest, presumably. You know, given if um, Steve Cooper has some sort of tactical masterclass that he hasn't thrown out yet, and if it's a very small repertoire, I don't really know if we're going to see much more from what we saw from them previously uh, last season. So, I do think based off of preseason form, based off of how we came on against City, and really uh, changed the match and affected things. I do think he does probably deserve to start, you know, particularly because they just isn't fit. Um, Who would you drop, though? It's tricky. But, uh, I would probably... 
it's hard to say you would drop rice because we just spent a British record fee on rice. Uh, but Partey has looked quite good in preseason as well. It's it's tricky, but I don't know. I would probably I'd probably drop rice for the moment. Not because I want to, but just because I don't think you need both those players in this game. It's not going to be a heavy transition game unless, again, Forrest comes out with some sort of tactical surprise we're not expecting. Um, we don't really have to worry about too many massive midfield battles, really. They're not all that, that uh, physically imposing in the center of the park, so I do think we can get away with um, having Havertz, who, who's decent, you know, when they work without the ball and defend, and then Odegaard, who presses quite well. Havertz also presses quite well. Um, he's also decent in the air, as we've seen, so I, I just don't think you need both Rice and Partey. I think it's I think it would be a luxury that you know, we probably shouldn't be affording. I think other considerations come, in, come into play first. I do think Forrest, on their day, can defend pretty well. And we kind of saw that in that one no loss against them you know, in May, where we had some good chances, yeah, but it, we definitely did struggle to really break them down. And I do think if you know, I, we're at home, we're a different animal at home. Um, but as you said before, we started you know, recording the podcast. That they've improved now. They've gelled more. They haven't added another 36 players in the team like they did last summer. Uh, and presumably Cooper knows his best 11 now. Uh, he has some fitness concerns. I think they have four or five people out um, that won't be featuring that may be starting if they weren't there. So we can consider that as well. But yeah, I just don't think it's, it's, it's not a knock on any of the players we're discussing. I just think it's, you have to pick the teams that give the best chance to really break up who can be a difficult team when they defend to break them down and really kind of see things out. And if you're worried about it, what we can do is, you know, if we go 2-3-0 up at halftime, then you can just bring, say, Havertz off and bring Rice on and really shore things up and then kind of coast from there if you're lucky. So it'll be tricky, but I also don't think it's a change winning formula like, like Luke just said, so I think it'll be one or the other wouldn't surprise me, and I think no matter what happens, I think we should be winning regardless. So. As well, I really do think that games like this are the games that are almost kind of perfect for Trossard because he's just so good in tight spaces and against um, a Nottingham Forest team that are definitely going to try and squeeze that space, I think he'd really suit that game. And also, to be fair, like what we you mentioned there, Drew, that we're really good at home. Last season, Nottingham Forest were terrible away. So, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm pretty much thumping my wooden desk right now to not jinx that they're still bad away, but we'll see. Um, so, before we kick off the general predictions, I want to hear your match predictions. I'll, I'll kick it off and then we'll go Ben and Drew. And I'm thinking 4 1 Arsenal. <laughs> I was going to say about the same thing. Um, <laughs> What I would really like is Saka to be given part of the game off. Now we've got so much cover in forward areas. You know, if we're two, three, four, one up, whatever, I'd like him to be able to come off and sort of um, manage his minutes a bit better than we did last season, potentially. Um, as as we've already said, you know, I know G, I know Jesus is out, but Nelson could play out there. Trossard could play out there. I'm pretty sure Arteta mentioned something about Havertz playing out there at one point. Um, so that's something I want. I'm going to be looking at more in detail. I think this season because it was a bit worrying, and he does Saka does always tend to do really, really well in the first two thirds of the season, and then go a bit quiet because he's either carrying an injury or he's played too much. And I think that that's sort of something that needs to be addressed this time round if we're going to win the league. And I know that's a really long winded answer to your prediction. <laughs> Uh, question, but I just wanted to chuck it's that true, out. Though. To be fair, also, like, did you see like Rodri came out and said that 
He just can't play yeah, as many yeah. games as he played last season. It's just even he said like it's not. I healthy. think he should, he should he should probably be telling Calvin Phillips that and not the media. I see. That's it. They um, might have to actually use their fifty million pound centre mid. Where is me, Drew? Prediction. What are you thinking? Mm, I'm gonna go four nil win. Clean sheet. Yeah, I, I mean clean I'm... sheet at home. I do think they have enough uh, weapons on the <laughs> counter to really actually find a chance, but um, with how we shut down Holland and the Community Shield, you know, City really struggled to to get going. Apart from the, the one time we gave them space, they scored right. But I don't think Forest have that same kind of quality. And if we're as good as we are in, in the back as we were against City, I don't think Forest can get much of as a sniff at goal. So I do. I would I wouldn't be upset if we gave up a goal, but I just don't think we will. I think we look really, really good defensively. So. Um, I'd anticipate a clean sheet, so yeah. And I'll try to get uh, predictions from Varun and Justin in, uh, in the WhatsApp group. Uh, and then if they come through <laughs> before we're done recording, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll mention them in here. Did we also want to do um, uh, try to guess the first goal scorer for an extra point? Ooh, that's good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be tactical about it. Who's now. going first? <laughs> Gab- Gabriel Martinelli. Oh, good right, show. No, okay. Good uh, sorry for the typing, those of you listening, but we're updating this live. He, so. he got the first goal last season, didn't he, Martinelli? Did he? I can't remember who he played last Palace. season. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, man, it was so long okay. ago. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Saka. Ah, uh, you went for the traditional pick. I'm going to go with uh, Havertz. So. Ooh. So edgy. Just, I mean, look, <laughs> he had the two best chances against City. So if he if he does start up front and we don't change, he things, also missed the two best. Well, I think he, <laughs> he missed he missed one, and one was he did really well to even get a shot away. The, the so, first one he did well, yeah. I think the second yeah, one that should be a second goal. one he should have scored. I agree, but I do think he'll. I think he'll. I think he'll score. And uh, if he plays up front, he'll get chances again. I think so. We'll see. I like I like the fact we've all just gone for the players that are almost nailed on to start, and no yeah. one's chucked their neck on the line to <laughs> like Trossard or Nketiah or even Rice. It's, you know. it's fully going to be Gabriel. Just gone so Magalhaes to score. Ben Ben White from thirty yeah. yards. <laughs> just something completely unexpected. Oh okay, so that's that prediction out of the way. So just to let people know, we're doing a, a bit of a prediction criteria here where we're going to look back at it <laughs> later on in the season. We're going to see how embarrassed we are or if we're actually Megaminds. So obviously in this podcast, you've got myself, you've got Ben, you've got Drew. Also, we've got Justin and Varun, who are also part of the podcast, who have done their predictions for these as well. So we'll let people know what they've chosen. So the first category we've got is player of the year. Contentious this. Because obviously there's a lot of politics in player of the year where it's not necessarily always the player that plays the best. Yeah. Sometimes it's just the player that plays for the team that does really well. And I think, you know, Phil Foden with young player of the year has proven that maybe once or twice. Um, so what we'll do is we'll go through it one by one. We'll just give a little piece on why we feel that way. So similar to who I said for, for first goal scorer, I've gone Bukayo Saka. Stick it. Bukayo Saka. <laughs> For uh, for player of the year, and reason number one, obviously, it's my agenda. Reason number two, only playing the Premier League last season to get double digits in uh, in goals and assists. So you really do think if he can go up another level, which he has done from the last few seasons, then guy's going to be. I reckon he could have some season. And obviously, if we win the Premier League, 
I think uh, the poster child or the best player at Arsenal is going to be the person to to get the nod. And I think, yeah, I think Bukayo Saka. So we'll go with you next, Drew. Well, first of all, I have to say, if you're going to make predictions, you have to bring facts because Mo Salah also had double-digit goals in the system Premier League last ah, season. Give it. Wow. Oh, good. <laughs> it's okay. Don't worry about it. We'll all forgive you because you are a Luke. It's fine. Um, I went with Martin Odegaard for player of the year. I do think that there's a few things. One, I think his leadership is um, second to none at the moment. I also think, look how well he performed against City. And usually when he's ticking, he makes everybody else tick, including Saka. I do think Saka sometimes is a bit off the boil when Odegaard's off the boil. Um, obviously, they, they mesh off each other so well, but I think Odegaard is so critical to us in, in any number of ways, equal to Saka, maybe even almost surpassing him now in, in, certain, in certain functions. I don't think he'll necessarily outscore someone like Saka or Martinelli per se, um, but it's just so crucial to the team. So I do think um, that's the, yeah, he would just be my pick for that. And I think he's also, it's also a bit biased because how he's so fully embraced Arsenal culture, the fan base, um, just the club in general. Um, I love that about him as well. Um, and I have a thing for Norwegian players lately because the kind of talent they've been bringing through in the last maybe five, six years. So it's a bit of bias there as well. So we're not here to talk about Norwegian players specifically, Drew. <laughs> we'll talk about that We're later, specifically Drew. trying to ignore a Norwegian player. <laughs> yeah. Ben, it's your turn, my dear. Well, speaking of ignoring Norwegian players, I've gone for a big, <laughs> blonde Norwegian, Norwegian player, striker yeah. who's going to score a shitload of goals um, probably win Manchester City the title again and be player of the season. That's my justification. Right, I'm, I'm hoping you're jinxing he, this. He, and he, it's he, going he, to be he, the opposite, actually, the inverse. Ooh. He could have he could he could have two touches and somehow score four goals. <laughs> you know, it true, doesn't yeah. doesn't really matter. He's it's just he's going to gravity around him will score <laughs> at some point. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, barring barring an injury, which you know he managed to get through his last well, his first season at City without uh, a serious injury. I think he was out for like six weeks, but nothing too too serious. Um, Barring an injury, I don't see why he wouldn't be player of the season again because it is so heavily weighted towards scoring goals and he does that quite well. Fair shout. Can't argue. Can't argue with it. Um, want me to list off the Rune and Justin's picks? Yeah. And obviously, they, they can't present themselves with their defences, but Rune yeah, went but with They need Gabriel to live Martinelli. by the weight of their choices as well. It's true. Rune <laughs> went with Martinelli, which I think is actually a really interesting shot considering his goal return last season. Uh, how important he is, and then Justin went with Saka, so Justin sided with you, Mr. Luke. Um, so yeah, I like how we four of the five were Arsenal players, so I think we're all yeah. kind of leaning towards maybe actually winning the title. One, agenda. one of us is a realist. <laughs> agenda, William <laughs> Benjamin is a realist for this, for this episode, <laughs> so it's fine. So now yeah. we've got, probably no surprise, young player of the year. Um, uh, I'll start again on this one. So just as a bit of context beforehand, I've been trying to research what actually constitutes for Young Player of the Year. And from what I can find in a, a, like a fairly recent athletic article is that if you're 23 or under when the season find? starts, then you count towards the criteria. So I'm going now for the Nordic meet shield, Erling Haaland. Because I imagine if he does score <laughs> loads of goals... What are the criteria? Again, Apparently, if you're 23 or under when the season At the start starts, of the season. yeah, mm-hmm. so you can turn 24 mid-season and still be considered for a young player of the year. It's a little bit ridiculous. So, it's a joke, honestly. But yeah, you know. so you've gone for Bakayo Saka, who will be under 23 for player yeah. of the season, and then Erling Haaland. <laughs> yeah, okay. 
Okay. Again, because Luke of my hedging, agenda. Hedging your bets. Yeah, Luke is also saying that this is his way of saying he thinks Arsenal's going to be Do you, do you record from yes. on your fence as well? Or like, do you come down every <laughs> now and then? Or... <laughs> no, we're going to win the league. Yeah, I'd argue with that. I kind of agree, but that's a whole other prediction part, I suppose. <laughs> I, um, I don't really like the whole, the way that it's done. So I sort of just avoided the concept. I went for a, instead for a player that I think is going to do quite well. And I went for Levi Colwell. I don't think the. I, I think fair, Chelsea would. Fair. I think Chelsea would do quite well this season. I think that surprised a lot of people. And I think his uh, stature has grown without him playing this summer, and will grow even more when he does play. I don't. I don't think that he'll get the award to go with the amount of plaudits he gets because he's a centre back, and that's quite difficult to do. Um, but I didn't really want to go for an Arsenal player because. Um, I figured everyone else would go for Arsenal players, and I figured that it would probably be Erling Haaland if Erling Haaland wins Player of the Season. So I thought I'd go with someone that I just thought might be a bit. Fun At the very to least, talk ben, about. that's a good prediction. Yeah, that's fair. Um, we also have a live update. Varun has just chimed in with his goal scorer and predicted match outcome. He went three one to us, and he went with hilariously Gabriel score first. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so you called it before Luke. Um, I went with uh, Bukayo Saka for Young Player of the Year. Um, I just think that, again, like he and Odegaard have been so instrumental that if my prediction and your prediction does come true, that we win the league. I think, obviously, they're both going to have a massive say in that, and that's, it's hard to see Saka performing worse than he did last year, just given how, uh, how he's come on leaps and bounds. He's even in a more physical presence as well. You can see him um, really maturing as an actual uh, person, just from a physical standpoint. So I do think... Uh, Barring he remains fit all season, knock on wood, that I think he'll be just fine. And I think he's in a really good shot. So, yeah, I'd see against it. Um, and then Varun and Justin, uh, Varun went with Erling Holland for Young Player of the Year. And then Justin, with a really good shot, went with Evan Ferguson. I did think about Evan um, Ferguson, you know. Yeah. He was my I third just, choice. It's interesting because I'm just, uh, for work, I'm actually writing the weekend preview for Brighton's match with, with Luton. And, um, there are some people predicting that Everett Ferguson is going to start up top with Jean Pedro playing in the 10, not at center forward. Ooh. So if those two mesh quite well with Matoma on one flank and uh, Sonny Marsh, who's really underrated on that right-hand side, he actually could get some quite a bit of goals this season. It's injuries. It's like a really fun football manager, so. It, 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 uh, yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's true, it is. But back to our wonderful host, Luke, for the next topic. Okay, this one's boring. It's top scorer. We've all just said the same thing. Give us, yeah. give us, give us some build up. It's okay. not boring. We're all mega minds and have come to the same conclusion <laughs> after watching a season's worth of Premier League football. Yeah, well, he's a, he's a psychopath. We've all decided that Danny Welbeck yeah. will be top. He's scorer. a bit of a psycho. He plays for a really good team. He probably cost four times what everyone thinks he cost. It's Erling Haaland. His dad hates Roy Keane. <laughs> and Arsenal. Yes. Yeah, Arsenal. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, so we've all, we've all said Erling Haaland, which is very boring, but I feel like if you don't pick Erling Haaland, then, <laughs> then you're not really it trying. Also, I, I, should, I should also point out that we um, asked for these predictions on Thursday morning, about an hour after the news that Harry Kane had agreed yes, to move to Bayern Munich true. came out. So um, the options were pretty slim behind Haaland, with Tony being banned as well, you know. Yeah. Uh, the drop-off's quite severe, and Nunes misses more chances than most of the Premier League combined. So, 
Harlem was the safe bet, and we've all gone for the safe bet, which I I uh, don't know whether to be ashamed or proud of us. Maybe for. both, but also as you know from reports earlier today, Holland might actually stay at Spurs this season. I mean, uh, came out so all of a sudden now, if we need this before, maybe someone pops up for Kane. But I really don't. I don't think anyone says Kane on an Arsenal podcast. No, absolutely not. It's also that agenda. <laughs> yeah, always agenda. <laughs> so we go on to the uh, the next category which I think is quite an interesting one. So we've got now surprise package player. So, um, I mean, you can perceive this in any way you want, but the way I perceived it was just a player that's going to perform to a level, surprise. yeah, that, that people don't think they're going to surprise. So you, really, I mean, I don't think any of us have actually done this. I think you could potentially say a player that is rated really highly and is ends up being really, really shit. None of us have gone that route, no. actually. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean... If you weren't here, Drew, I could speculate that you did, but <laughs> but we'll get True. to yours soon. <laughs> True. Uh, but, so we'll, we'll start because I've just done a lead up to Drew. We'll, we'll keep attention a little bit longer. We'll start with Ben. So Ben, what have you what have you chosen for your surprise package player? Well, fittingly, I've actually gone for a Nottingham Forest player. I've gone for um, Tyo Awani. Um, hopefully not in the first game, but I really liked what I saw from him when he wasn't injured last season. And I think that he could be a really fun focal point for Forrest and the way that they play with sort of two wide men that are quite speedy and quite technically gifted. And he's just a big bloke who's quite good with his feet too. So he's got plenty of options to score with his feet or with his head. Um, And I'm looking forward to seeing how he does. Hopefully he doesn't get injured and can have a full season in the Premier League. Um, But yeah, I've gone for Awani. I mean, it's a good shot, I think. Um, he was quite good at Union Berlin as well before they bought him the season before. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. And he was highly rated at Liverpool before they let him yeah. go. Um, but I just got to hope that he can carry on. And as we say, we've got to hope that Cooper come, comes up with something to get him to play well. I think he already did that, though. I, mean, I know it's maybe getting away slightly, but last season when Forrest had that decent run of games, Aouni was probably their best player throughout. And with, with a few scoring goals, or a few, he meshed well with Gibbs White. He was fit. Yeah, well, either he's either going to score 17 goals and I'm going to look a genius, or he's going to score four goals and I'm never going to come on the podcast <laughs> again. So, I mean... <laughs> so, we're hoping for the four or the 17? I'm not quite sure which one. But no, I think it's a good shout-out. Luke, what's yours? Right, so, I've gone for Julio Enciso, the 19-year-old Paraguayan Brighton Hove Albion attacking midfielder. Just because... I mean, they, they signed him last summer, I think. We didn't really see him in the first half of the season much, but he kind of, he really grew in stature in the, the second half of the season. And obviously, you, you can't ignore the top bin diesels that he was scoring. So I think that there's a proper, proper player there that was able to, at 19, in his first season in the Premier League, when Brighton were in the hunt for European football, was able to almost kind of like take it by you know, take that challenge by the throat and and really take it on and, and do some really really good performances. So, I mean, to be fair, I'm not really sure because Deserbi tends to change players around a lot. I'm not really sure where he's going to play this season, especially if obviously you know you got Matoma and you said March played really on the other side, and now they got Jao Pedro who could play off of a striker. Yeah, so it'd be interesting to see if he gets it all. But I, I generally think if he plays, then there's a real real player there. How much do you think Chelsea will bid for him in January? <laughs> it, in, just in Jan. <laughs> I think by October they're going to be offering 70 mil. <laughs> Drew, Drew, who did you go for? I went with Mihailo Mudrik. And I know that's uh, contentious on this pod because of the, a lot of the debates that the Arsenal fan base had uh, about him uh, 
halfway through last season, and then subsequently how we really didn't perform well for Chelsea in the second half of last season. But I think he's looked quite good in preseason now. He's meshed well with um, with Jackson, who came in from Villarreal. Uh, they've apparently had some really good chemistry moving forward. The highlights I did see, he looked quite good, quite confident. Maybe more towards a lot of the highlights that people were watching him when he was at the Shakhtar Donetsk. So I think with less less expectations as well. Um, there's no European football with Chelsea this season. Um, Pochettino's come in. We know his record about getting the best performances out of wide players. And Mucic's skill set really does actually suit Premier League football. And I think it actually does suit Pochettino's style of play. I just think it's, it could be one of those examples where Chelsea were just covering the globe with signings last season, but they, there was really no direction in terms of who the manager was. But I think under Pochettino, I do think he'll do quite well. Um I don't know if he'll be Chelsea's best performer, but I do think he'll have a key role to play. And with Raheem Sterling just falling off a cliff at the end of his career, which is a shame to see, and uh, Christopher Nkunku not being fit for the first two or three months of the season, he has a clean stretch of games once a week where he can really kind of bet in this season with a little bit less pressure. And now that he's kind of moved away from that, uh, from that price that he was purchased for. So I do think he'll do quite well. And we should also point out that Varun has gone for Luis Diaz, which I think is a good show because he's looked quite good preseason. Um, looks like is he going to surprise us again? I thought Diaz was quite a good player. Yeah, I mean, I suppose that is a good point actually. So maybe I mean I don't know to be fair. And and uh, Justin has gone for uh, the Hoods. He was also Lord. joined Brighton. Mahmoud. Mahmoud. Yeah, I, I was, okay, I was like, gonna try like, I was I was I was I was nearly brave enough. I didn't I didn't quite jump off the cliff. <laughs> yeah, the hoods, the hood, that guy. Did not have the high ground there. It's okay. <laughs> but yeah, um player. De Hood never kicked on at Dortmund. When he came I think he was a was he a Gladback before? He was Dortmund? a Gladback. Gladback done Dortmund. Um yeah, and he was really good at Gladback. Yeah. I think he replaced Xhaka. He and then moved to Dortmund and injuries and poor form. He never kicked on. And whilst we, um, we, you know, we lord Brighton's transfer business quite often, him and James Milner both on free transfers feels a bit like um, that meme of putting a sticking plaster over water that's escaping from a water tank. In, um, <laughs> if you're losing Caicedo and McAllister, you know, what? especially when they've got to play twice a week, like Milner can't play twice a month, let alone twice a week. <laughs> I'm, in, in his defense, I do think uh, when Dahoud was actually fit, for Dortmund, he actually performed quite well. The and Milner's defence is class <laughs> of leap test. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But I think Dahoud's, the biggest question in Dahoud is his fitness. If he can stay fit, I think he'll actually be one of the signings of the season because it was on a free. And he's actually looked very good in preseason. Um, but I expect him to get injured uh, against Luton on the weekend. And then that'll be that for him. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. <laughs> so the, the next and last category is Surprise Package Club. Where, I mean, I'll let you guys take this because you said the same thing. We did not. I, at the last minute, changed my mind. Did you? I did. So I'll start. Uh, I kind of took a cue from what Ben said and I thought about it. I do think I, I picked Brighton as a surprise package, not because I feel like they're going to make some sort of top four push, but because so many people are expecting them to drop out of the top six because they have uh, Europe, Europe League football. Mm-hmm. But I do think they've. You know the the losses the, the key losses this summer that they had, so um, McAllister and Sanchez they've they've theoretically replaced, but they've also added to that as well. So I do think that if they can get the rotation right, if they can stay injury free, they I think they have enough depth to really kind of 
make a good, a good account of themselves in Europa League. I don't know if they'll get out of the group or not, depending. But I do also think that they'll still remain in and around a top six picture. But some people have them dropping down as, do you, as, as far as 10th. I think that's a little bit ridiculous. Do you think that that stays the same even if they lose Kai Soyedo and don't get Kudus? See, that's sort of as it's looking at the That's game, the thing. On top of losing Colwell yeah, exactly. as well. Exactly. That, that's the thing. I do feel like if they lose Kai Soyedo, then like, these, these predictions are predicated on what we know of today. So if they lose Kaiseido, then my prediction might change, but it's too late now, obviously. But I do think when when they operate as best as they can, I do think they're still probably one of the best six sides, you know, in England or currently on form. And with Deserby, who I think is an absolutely phenomenal manager as well, how how visually they they improved when he came in. You know, tactically they were so good, the chance they created, you know, their goal scoring record with uh, a talent level that's far, you know, inferior to some of the bigger sides in England. Um, so at current, I think they'll still be okay. But if they do lose Kaiseido and they don't properly replace Colwell, which they haven't done yet, but they're looking at uh, one or two options, then then they might struggle. But I still think they'll be relatively okay. But if that happens, I don't well, think they'll be in the top six, though. On, on the topic of losing Kaiseido mm-hmm. and Colwell, I've gotten for Chelsea um, because I think that one game a week with the squad that they've got, um, if they add Caicedo, is perfectly manageable. I think Pochettino will play a very exciting brand of football, and I think they've got the um, defenders uh, to sort of deal with it. I mean, Thiago Silva's getting on a bit, but I think Disassi is a decent enough signing on short notice. Um, Colwell is obviously excellent, and they've got enough cover for the likes of Reese James and Ben Chua when they inevitably get injured to sort of carry their their form through. So I think they'll make a push for the top four. I'm definitely not alone in saying that. I know lots of people have said the same thing. I also wanted to shout out Bournemouth, who I think have done some very clever business. I don't think that they'll be in the top half necessarily, but I think they'll comfortably avoid relegation with the players they've got. Um, Alex Scott, I think, is a really good signing. I think he's gone to Bournemouth. Uh, not officially um, yet, but I think he's on the cusp of... But he's, ter- he's not okay. currently listed, and but I do think they'll, they'll get over the line. Is that sure. an exclusive? And, um, <laughs> no, no, no. Afraid not. I think um, Max Ahrens is going there as well. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a huge bit of business. Yeah. Which is, is a fun bit of business. Yeah. And also, um, Kirk has How left dare back. you mention him when I, I was supposed to be rude and uncouth? I know, I know you yeah, like him. And um, is it Hamad? Hamad Traore, I think they said. Oh, yeah. oh, he was on last season. Yeah. season. Yeah. He was on loan, yeah. and they brought him in on a full now. Yeah, so I think they've got a really interesting squad, and I think they've got a really interesting new manager, and I'm really curious to see how that goes. I think that they'll be a lot better than sort of the bottom five clubs in the league, because I think they sort of pick themselves at this point. Um, and I think they'll survive comfortably. That's great. It's actually a great show, but I had one question for, for you particularly, but not only because... Bruno and Justin aren't here to, to chime in. I had originally had Chelsea as a surprise package as well, but one of the reasons why I swapped off of Chelsea is because is it really a surprise to see a team with that much talent, with Pochettino as a manager, actually perform well? Maybe under the, the terms of how poorly they've been owned since Bully and Iqbali uh, have come in. Well, what, what's the expectation? Level, like, yeah. What do you think is... Like, I'll, I'll point this to both of you, because obviously, Drew, you said you had Chelsea... Yeah. Obviously, Ben has actually picked Chelsea. What do you think is the the happy medium placement that Chelsea should be that but isn't particularly impressive? I think. Well, I'll let Ben go first. Actually, go on. I think I think probably seventh. 
Um, I think getting back into Europe's the main thing, and I yeah, I don't think they they they've built this whole idea of signing young players before they break out into world stars. Um, you know, with the likes of Modric and Nicholas Jackson and um, all the players they've brought in so far with the army of under 20s that they've brought in from Brazil and Italy and all that. I just think that they're in a period where they're trying to set up for the next 10 years and getting back into European football this season will be counting as a success when you look at how strong the rest of the, the league is. I mean, when you when you say Arsenal and Man City are runaway favourites for the top two, Liverpool and United have probably both strengthened and Liverpool probably almost certainly will by the end of the window. Uh, then you've got Newcastle and Villa who are both looking pretty good and both have European football. You've got Brighton and then Spurs. You know, that's already eight teams for... I think if my maths is right, that's eight teams for uh, seven European spots. And then you've got the likes of Chelsea and even Brentford. Like, I think that they are very much outsiders for uh, Champions League football. I think they might get Europa League. I think that'll probably be the upper end of their their um, expectations this season, though. So I um I had toyed at this for a little bit. I I think the the, the ceiling for them this season, I think they could just squeak forth but that's so dependent on a few things like first of all if they get Kaiseido like we discussed before um depending on how United gets on because you know their new their fancy new Nordic striker is now apparently has a crock back at the age of 20 and they might not be able to play for the first you know couple of weeks or whatever also there's questions about how Newcastle will get on with, with Champions League commitments and have they really added depth um same question about Aston Villa a lot of people think Aston Villa might fold you know with uh with, with dual commitments than we have Brighton. So I, I, first thing is, just, <laughs> it's insane how much quality exists in the Premier League, just in the top half of the table, not excluding, you know, the bottom half where there's still some really good sides that can really, you know, that are dangerous at any given day of the week. So I think that's actually really fun to highlight. But I think for from a pure talent perspective, if you look at Chelsea's top eleven when they're fully fit with a cuckoo back, you know, with a, a fully fit Reese James who now only has to play once a week instead of three times a week, that's a really good team. If they all bed in under Pochettino, if his brand of football can really shine through with that core group of players, I do think they could surprise and they could play some really attractive stuff. But I overall, though, I do think that I also at the same time would be shocked if they end up in top four. I think realistically, sixth. Like I think again, they could get Europa League uh, relatively comfortably depending. But also wouldn't surprise if they only finished, say, like seventh or eighth, and they only went up what three, four places on the table. There's, there's so many caveats with them, right? That they have so much potential. If they realize that potential, a lot of that potential is young. They could surprise quite a few people, but um, it could be one season too early. But I think they're okay with that. You know, I think that's kind of where ownership has gone with. I think they've been very vocal. And Ben, you can maybe back up on the skills with the things you see through work, but. I think Bully and Iqbali and, and Blue Goat have been very vocal about kind of this long-term trajectory of how they want to build that club out. And the reason why they've been focusing on so many 21, 22, and 23-year-olds is because, and hence the long-term contract, seven, eight-year you know, contract, which you never really see in football. But they're really trying to build out something for, for the long term. But um, I guess maybe this season could be one year too early, but I don't know if you wanted to counter or if, or if Luke had um, something uh, on the discussion, if you wanted to talk about his package, but... Yeah. Also, that came off really bad. Good Christ, the surprise package. Jesus Lord. <laughs> no, no problem, mate. So, <laughs> I'll, I'll go for mine, which is a little bit linked to obviously um, Ben was talking a lot about uh, Bournemouth. So I'm going to go for the guy that Bournemouth 
sacked and the, his new club. And it's a shame wrong because if you told me at the start of last season that Wolves are going to finish three points behind Chelsea and probably still have a pretty mediocre season, then I'd have probably laughed my head off. But I just think that, in my opinion, Gary O'Neill performed miracles last season. I think that he picked him up after, obviously, Scott Parker was sacked after the, the was it 8-1 against Liverpool. And statistically, that team were off the cliff. They were dead and buried. Even if they weren't in the, technically in the relegation at that point, they were bottom of every statistic you can think of. And and somehow was able to kind of get them together, get in a few clever but still pretty cheap signings in January and take them up to 15th place, which is pretty crazy. And now, obviously, he's taken over um, uh, Wolves that have just lost Lopetegui, which isn't a great situation to be in so close to the season kicking off. But I, I generally, I just think, you know, when Jesus multiplied the fish, right, and then the next day, people were like, <laughs> do you reckon he'll turn more into wine? You say, well, you know, he did it yesterday. So, you know, I'll, I'll give him benefit of that today. That's what I'm doing with Gary Neal. I'm saying he performed miracles last season. I think he's really well this season. I'm becoming a bit of a fanboy. I think that can I think I... that Wolves are going to be top 10 this season. Can I be honest? Go on then. I think Wolves might are likely to get relegated. Um I think they've had a genuinely horrendous summer. And they've obviously <laughs> sold. They've, sold I, they've, they've sold Neves. They haven't bought anyone in. Um, they've got a great selection of nifty wingers that don't really know where the back of the net is often enough. And they're relying on Diego Costa if he's still there. Sasa Kaladzic, who's coming back from an ACL injury. And Fabio, Vie- uh, Fabio Vieira? Fabio Silva, um, who's flattered to deceive in any of his loan spells. I just think that they're they've made so many bad decisions this summer based on FFP and ownership and all that. And they are genuinely going to struggle so much unless they make some significant signings this summer, I think or between now and the end of the window. And I, ha- I have them down to go close to being relegated. They're, they're in that bottom five set of teams that I mentioned earlier. Well, you, um, you know, to me, it's not right. We have to do a live prediction of the top four and the bottom three. Well, one, one, of, one of us is going to look like an idiot. I'm going to have to I'm gonna say these are completely polar prophecies. <laughs> I think actually, like looking at their thing, so they brought in Matt Doherty. Matt Doherty's come back, not particularly exciting. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> we'll give so, you time. So they, they've signed Matthias Cunha on a on like a permanent deal. And yeah, sure. Uh, do you guys know Bubka Traore from from Mets? He's yeah, coming, he's decent. Eleven minute it, Euros. Yeah, he's not so bad. But... Well, it doesn't matter who they signed. We've got Gary O'Neill. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Who who are their options up front again? It's Kalajic, uh Nunez, uh, I guess Traore, and who else? Yeah, I mentioned Kunja already, didn't I? No. Okay. Yeah. So they're not as bad as I thought, but still not very good. No. Oh, they, don't they have Pedro Neto? So did he leave? I forget. I think he's still there. They do have Pedro Neto. Yeah. And he's also decent. But they're, but they're strictly but... built on nothing but counterattacking football. <laughs> and they lost to Dama Traore yeah. in trying to do that. And he's awesome. They'll yeah. back Jesus, all right? They'll back Gary O'Neill. <laughs> okay. And we'll come Fair back enough. to this. And I'll, <laughs> I'll clip this specific moment. <laughs> it's got real, real Nigel Farage. You all laughed at me. <laughs> coming up. I'm, I'm going to grab a pint and start screaming Hell Britannia at the top of my lungs. Good Lord, you would too as well. Yeah. Um, so should we do our, our live predictions then or should we not? I think we'll leave it. Leave it for now. 
Okay. Give us some time to really think it, think it over. I we'll think do... you're the one who needs to time, not us. I think you're the one on the block. No. <laughs> He's going to put Wolves bottom at the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, boys, I've looked at my squad, and Gary O'Neill is yeah. a miracle worker. I'll, I'll, come, I'll come on that pod as well, guys. Mistakes oh, are made. Goodness. Wolves for top five. No. Um, uh, <laughs> no, we'll, we'll do like, I reckon we could do like the, the majority of a, of a pod episode on just going through like uh, our predictions for the table, especially if we get Varun and Justin in as well. Yeah, we could. Uh, we could maybe do that. Some... Could even do a video tier list, did somebody Ooh. say? Uh, we could. Um, we could. Uh, Varun has some handy dandy graphics you might be able to ship in with that. So we could maybe do that. So cool. we could Sounds look into that. Yeah, sometime maybe, I don't know, sometime next week after Match Day 1. Yeah, can we can we do it after we've seen match day one and we can, and so Wolves you know, gets battered sixty five nil. <laughs> Who <are> they playing? <laughs> I don't even remember off the top of my head. Man United uh, away in the game or Man United at home. <laughs> Lucky one nil win for think, Wolves away. You think United frightens Gary O'Neill? <laughs> You're digging your hole deeper. It's hilarious. It is, it's in like, yeah, I'm really worried about this this cult following you're going to have around Gary O'Neill. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go do a Wolves <laughs> podcast after this. Good luck. <laughs> I think that's probably a good place for us to leave it because we are approaching 49 minutes, which I think is actually our longest podcast. So yeah, far, we're fine for a pre-season preview podcast, yeah. I feel like. That's covered. Had a good good amount of fun with you boys. Good to laugh. And we did briefly talk about Arsenal. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I feel like the first half of the predictions was like really Arsenal heavy and then we just kind of went completely away from it. Yeah, I think. What did did you want them to be the biggest surprise or the whatever it was biggest flop? No, nah, because I know we're going to win the league, so no. I think he means wolves. So we're winning the league, and wolves are coming to <laughs> Yeah. Just, all right. I think one of those things will happen. One of those things will be the opposite of what happens. So <laughs> by by ten. So I guess we'll see. I'll happily take the uh, the embarrassment of wolves being relegated. Yeah, the police are coming for you. That's how bad your prediction was. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we'll leave it there. I've been Luke. I've been joined by the lovely Ben and the splendiferous Drew. <laughs> Football's back on Saturday. Can't wait. Finally, we get to see Arsenal play in the league again. Uh, we're going to be back after the Nottingham Forest game with a with a match review. And thanks for joining us. See you later. Erdogan is joining in, and he's seen Martinelli. Extraordinary. Set it for Saliba. For Kyle Saka. Oh, Saka. Oh,